Welcome in to the Locked On Knicks podcast. Gavin Shaw, Alex Wolf. we are returning to our virtual locker room to talk with you guys about our favorite subject, the New York Knicks. And Alex, we, uh, we covered uh, a young point guard the Knicks could potentially acquire on the cheap who would have star potential in the Knicks last episode. And we do the same this episode with Colin Sexton uh, talking about what we have to do to get him what the cost would be, whether or not it'd be worth it, but not the only young point guard we explore in this one. Yeah, and the big part about the Sexton talk, too, is potentially using uh, taking in Kevin Love as the price to acquire him, which, at least for me, was sort of a, I don't know about a non-starter, but something I was a little a little hesitant with. So we get into that. We talk about Malcolm Brogdon. If he should still be a target with Indiana sort of sort of in turmoil right now, could the Knicks just swoop in there and, and take Malcolm Brogdon for a relatively low price and get a great player? Or if Lonzo Ball is a guy worth dumping a bunch of money into. So we talk about that. And we just kind of get into some of our favorite Clyde-isms as well, which is a lot of fun. Uh, it was a consistent theme throughout these two episodes. Uh, Ari came in and... and brought that up in the comment section and then came up at the very end of the episode and gave some of his favorites as well. And so that was a really great time as well. So lots of great stuff in this second part of fan Friday. And of course, if you haven't checked out the first part, be sure to check that out too. Uh, But we'll be right back in to get started on part two of locked on Knicks fan Friday. You are locked on Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast, part of the locked on podcast network, your team every day. And I think we see Willis coming out. There he comes right now. Starts without a five. Ewing for the win. Yes. Up and tucks left. Now fires it. He's good. And he's fouled. And he's out. Anthony for three. You are Locked On Knicks, your daily New York Knicks podcast. I'm Gavin Shaw, now once again, active play-by-play broadcaster and podcaster, but you knew that already. He's Alex Wolf, editor-in-chief of the Strickland, the greatest Knicks website out there, and we are about to get back into it on Locker Room. If you missed this week, we're doing them every week, Thursdays at 5.30. They're a whole lot of fun. Um, I'm biased, but I think they keep getting better each and every week. And it's because of participation from you guys, getting new people joining, bringing new perspectives, having a lot of fun with the chat feature. Um, it really, really is a great time. And it's it's so cool for us to to actually get to uh, to hear your voices and, and, and interact in real time. Uh, but without further ado, let's get into the episode. Locker Room Fan Friday coming up right now. All right, and now we're getting Omar up. Omar, you've been so patient. What up, Omar Youssef? How you doing, man? What's going on, guys? Um, quick off the jump, I still have it in my head. I think the ones that the Clydeisms that stick with me the most probably Swiss cheese defense. Yeah, Just hearing it so much through the years. Um, court fifty feet wide, but not wide enough for whatever player that steps uh, on the sideline. And we had this, like, during the mellow years quite a bit in, like, late fourth quarters. He'd be like, will it be glory or more purgatory? (laughs) 
forgot that one. That's been a while yeah. since you busted that, that one in a while. Yeah. I haven't yeah. really said Swiss cheese defense in a while either. Because the Knicks don't often have it, thankfully. And yeah, same with yeah. uh, Matador D. He doesn't bring out Matador D. As yeah, much Matador or Teflon defense, yeah. Yes. He does say – I feel like he says Teflon a lot this yeah, year. Yeah, he might say Teflon. That's been, that's been the one that he more goes with. The Teflon defense. Yeah. He had a couple of good ones like R- Rambling Wreck from Georgia Tech for uh, Stephon Marbury. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I've forgotten about some of the old school ones. Like I'm trying to now remember what he used to have about like Novak and like JR and stuff like that. Yeah, and Novocaine. Uh, uh, yeah, he had a couple of good ones. Rob, I mean, the new one was Rob, where he just kept going, Mitch Rob. <laughs> I do love that. I, it's so random. Like, his name is Mitchell, so you could call him Mitch, but he's just yeah. short his last name to call him Rob. <laughs> and Clyde even called him for that on the broadcast. Like, why are you calling him Rob? He's like, I don't know. It's just a shortened version of his last name. He's Rob. <laughs> like, yeah, it was like a right. preseason game. He's like, I think I'm going to call him Rob now. I love when he's like I, I like like it's one thing for him to screw up Larry Markinen, but I like when there's just a flat out star on the other team and Clyde just refuses to to learn their name. Like what was he, he was calling Morant like Mor- Morant, Morant, Morant or something like what was it? Morant. It was it was something way off. <laughs> I mean he still says Antepa Poo Poo for uh for Giannis. <laughs> and Yarnis. Like, Yarnis. I feel like I feel like he has an internal rule in his head, and it's like win, win, win a title, win a Finals MVP, and then I'll, then I'll learn your name. <laughs> and, and anything before that, it's just luck of the draw. Yeah. Um, so, you know, last night I don't know. It's like we're so Jekyll and Hyde with this team, which also Clyde says. Um, you do wonder, like, is yesterday really like a telling thing, like? I think it's a good learning lesson in the sense that now we kind of know where we're lacking in competing with um, the best teams. Like I know Alex, when you said, when you said uh, like you wouldn't mind running it back, does that include Elf? Oh no, that that does not include Elf. Sorry to clarify, I would not include Elf in that. But I'm talking more like Burks, Bullock, Noel. Um, the guy. The guys that actually contribute to winning <laughs> would be more. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Yeah. So I'm largely in favor of that because I think there's something to valuing continuity and the chemistry of this team and the spirit in the locker room that not just like throwing it all away and bringing in a whole new bunch. Um, but I think it's still important that like, if there are upgrades to be made, like Reggie Bullock doesn't need to be playing 30-plus minutes a night next year. If he's just a 22-minute player, that's fine off the bench. Um, and But mostly it's like, how can they really get a point guard? And I saw you guys were talking about Sexton. And here's the thing. And I don't want to make this like a whole future thing. You know, Damian Lillard is going to cost a whole bunch, Right. Four, oh, for sure. Four, four or five first round picks. Yeah, I mean, guys. I would only. So, yeah. Yeah. Okay. You know, who, Colin Sexton just turned 22 years old a couple months ago, and maybe he isn't the guy, but they need to kind of find a guy that they use their actual evaluate, player evaluation department, and maybe he's the breakthrough guy. Maybe Sexton's the one that, you know, a year or two from now, like, wow, we really only got him for two first round picks. Um, I, I personally like Sexton. Um, 
I think, yes, he is a little polarizing. I think a coach like Tibbs, he would respond to. I kind of followed him. Um, if you guys want, check out the interview he did with uh, Zach Lowe on the Low Post podcast. Um, you may get a little different idea about the kind of kid he is. He is one of those maniacal work ethic guys um, like that you hear like RJ is. And he's, he's, a, he's a crazy work nut. Um, and I just wouldn't bet against him. I would probably want to like, – I, like, I could definitely see that he makes another leap. He's already a way better shooter than anyone would have thought he was going to be. Coming out of college, that was his, like, big question mark. And, you know, maybe instead of just thinking about going big for Dane or Bradley Beal, maybe we try to see who's the guy that maybe could be that top 15 guy two years from now, and we kind of get him on a value trade from now. It may look like a risk, but I think that's really the way to go, because even if we trade for Dane, we're not really a finals contending team. And we have depleted most of our assets. All right, we're going to take our first break. Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar, which, if you have not heard, is the best tasting protein bar ever. Comes in nine delicious flavors, plus some occasional limited time flavors. And there are so many great choices. You got coconut, coconut almond, uh, mint brownie, peanut butter brownie, double chocolate, salted caramel, cherry, and raspberry available all the time. Coconut almond is one of my favorites for sure. Tastes just like an Almond Joy bar, but doesn't give you that Almond Joy bar guilt that you have or like you get with any candy bar, despite tasting just like a candy bar. That's because most Built Bars have 17 whopping grams of protein, but only 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, and 4 grams of net carbs. You will not find a better ratio than that anywhere. And it's honestly really good for you while giving you that same satisfaction of eating a candy bar like an Almond Joy, but with added health benefits of a ton of protein to help build up your muscles. And if you're looking for something for your mom for Mother's Day, it might be a little late at this point. You might have to put it in there as like a a little coupon, you know, and say, hey, I ordered you some Built Bars. But, you know, moms love Built Bars because they're good for you. They're low calorie high in protein. So if your mom is active and you want to give her something cool for Mother's Day, get some Built Bars. It's better than a box of chocolates, that's for sure. She'd definitely appreciate the fact that you're getting her something that's good for her. Uh, So send her a box and you'll make sure then that you're her favorite out of the kids, at least for a while, until you get her next box of Built Bars. So if you want to get some Built Bars for yourself or for your mom, go to BuiltBar.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your first order. Again, use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at BuiltBar.com. I, I guess that's a, a – it's an interesting balance that they're going to have to strike. Like, they're going to have to make sure not to go all in too early. Like, then you risk – I'm trying to think of a team that, that did that, that was that looked like they were maybe on the precipice but kind of, like, jumped the gun. I, I was going to say, like – was that – Brooklyn with KG and Paul Pierce. That's true. I yeah. mean, that's one example for sure. I mean, Philly, Philly did it too, and it didn't. They had so many assets, and Embiid is so good that it didn't kill them. But for a team that didn't have Embiid, it probably would have killed them. Like the stuff they did for Jimmy Butler and Harris, and then that not working out. Yeah, and I, I was also thinking. I mean, a more extreme 
example, I guess, but even like Detroit being like, let's give up a bunch of stuff for Blake Griffin. And they weren't even good at the time. It's like, what were you guys doing? Like, what, were, what did you think that was going to accomplish? Did you think Blake Griffin was good enough with Andre Drummond to somehow like catapult you in the East or something? Like, I don't know. So yeah, it's, it's a fine line you have to walk, but the the reality is, is that, you know, so few teams end up like, I, I just don't know. It's, I would love to win a championship as the Knicks, but I, I feel like if they just can become consistently good, that's going to be good enough for me for a while. Eventually, come on. Yeah. Oh, of course I want. Of course I want one. Bro, you know, I, don't I hate the, I hate to sound like completely, you know, morbid. But really, can you imagine down the line? Hopefully, many years, many decades down the line, in your deathbed, and you're thinking about, wow, I really spent all these years, all my emotion, and all this time, and they never won a championship. Yeah, <laughs> we need to see one. We need to see one. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be doing my last edition of Locked On Knicks. Listen, death. I already told all my friends and family. Like, if you know, if I'm dying and they haven't won one, don't bury me. Leave me above the ground <laughs> <laughs> until they do. This is ridiculous. That would be ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. I certainly hope that they do, man. I, I really, it, it would, it would be a shame if, uh, <laughs> if they t- couldn't. In the next, I don't know, fifty years or so. Hopefully, I can live to be like eighty years old. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. With with climate, one. they really got to get it done in the next ten to fifteen. I think if we want to, if we want to be safe. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I yeah. really want I want Clyde to be able to call it somehow. I hope that the next time the Knicks make the finals, that they arrange something where he could be a guest commentator or something. He is that like, old? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I think it's going to be Breen and like AI Clyde probably in like twenty. I don't know, but who knows? Who knows? Maybe maybe they go. You know what? The, that's the thing though. I, I I'm with you, Omar, in that they're not favorites to make the finals if they got Dame, but if they do it with a package like um, OB IQ and a bunch of picks, and they still have money to fill out that roster, you're you're kind of one injury injury away on Brooklyn from at least. Being in the mix, like I, oh, yeah, I, I exactly. yeah, like I think I, I didn't think and, I didn't say I wouldn't do it, but that wouldn't just be my sole focus. That was my no, point. no, no. I, I got you, I got you. But I guess, but the logic there is, is I mean, often unless you get lucky enough, like I mean, when you when you back channel finals teams, it's like the like you, you know those flow charts when it's like a yes, no, yes, no. You jump from thing to thing. Like the first question is for the last fifteen years, like do you have LeBron? No. Uh, do you have the Spurs infrastructure and three Hall of Famers and a Hall of Fame coach? No. Uh, do you have Kobe? No. Um, and, and like the the do you have like Steph, Dre, and Clay? No. Well, then the next thing you got to do is like, all right, can you go the Toronto path? And and I think getting Dame would basically, I mean, hopefully he would he would stay longer than Kawhi stayed in Toronto, but that's that's basically the Toronto path. You're baking on, or you have a really good infrastructure with really good young players. And, and a coach you, you really, really trust and think can win on that level. I mean, we don't know what tips, maybe, maybe not. Um, and you're saying we're going to add this transcendent talent. And you're kind of accepting, like, we're going to need a bunch of breaks a- along the way to go win that championship. But if we don't get them, we're, we're a really good team. And that's something we haven't been in a long time. If we do get them, you, you got a shot. And, and I, I've got, I don't need to relitigate it, but that, that Toronto team, I mean, you, you you run those playoffs ten times. They win the title twice at most, maybe only once. Like it took so much for them to win. But if you're in a situation like the Knicks, which is a good 
situation, but without that obvious, like, this guy could be the best player on a finals team already on your roster. I think that that's almost the best gamble to get there, unless you have some unexpected luck with draft capital, like in 2023, if, if Luca tore his ACL or something. But uh, obviously not rooting for that. But if that happened, that, that would be the scenario. But right now, I think that's almost the kind of risk you have to take to accelerate that timeline. Yeah, if, if that happened, though, the Knicks would be screwed. Because that picks projected top ten. Oh, so. right, right, right. Well, well, maybe, maybe number eleven is yeah. pretty good. But yeah. I, I, I don't know. I just, you know, I would love to have Dame here, but there are a couple of things that would. I feel like it's just not the right time, in the sense that the free agent class is not great this summer, and. If, if there was, like, a reasonable chance that, oh, like, we could get another star player with the remaining cap space rather than, let's say, somebody like DeMar DeRozan um, or even, like, Lonzo, I would feel a little better about it because in the subsequent years, I know there might be a cap jump with the new TV deal. Um, Julius is going to have a new max deal. RJ is going to be due for a new uh, – his rookie extension two years from now. So this would be the summer to add additional talent um, in conjunction with the Dame trade. Um, I just don't want to be in a position that if I had my druthers, that if I like, I'll take a young point guard, if it's Sexton, let's say, and I could get him on the cheap. I honestly almost consider it as, as, right up there with a, with a Dame trade. I think you, it, it's not just like automatically you got to go for Dame at all costs. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a smart way of looking at it too, though. I mean, you know, you got to keep your options open all across the board as far as yeah. looking at young guys that could potentially be, you know, undervalued or whatever. Like, it's it's not – I don't think it's the – like he wasn't the level that Sexton is at right now, but look at like what the, the Magic did with getting uh, – uh, faults when they did, you know, like he just, it clearly wasn't working for him. They pick him up for basically nothing. And then they, he performs well enough in the first year that, you know, pre ACL, they got him hooked up with a, an extension and like a somewhat reasonable one, but he still has definitely some of that star upside that he had prior to, you know, the draft and everything, even if it, the, you know, the luster's kind of worn off a little bit. So, um, yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I, I do think it's worth keeping an eye on those sort of players. And, you know, maybe Sexton is somewhat undervalued. And maybe he just – I mean, maybe uh, it, it, to your point, his maniac, you know, mindset just doesn't fit with the Cavs who have been, by and large, so lackadaisical. Have Kevin Love, who I, you know, I already kind of mentioned earlier in the show, like I don't like because I think he pouts a lot and he's been very demonstrably, like – insubordinate on the court and that's just kind of a really bad example to set <laughs> um, yeah, he's been like he really has yeah. been so i mean left. yeah and so you know maybe he gets paired up with tibbs and with rj and with julius and you know it becomes one of those situations where he just feeds off their energy and suddenly you know he almost has a transformation like what julius had from last year to this year where he says okay i could trust these guys like these guys are in it for the same reasons i am whatever um and it, maybe that happens and I, I say that as someone who was a huge sexton skeptic when he was coming out of college too um i i can remember literally on draft night i cheered 
when the Cavs took him one pick ahead of the Knicks because I I was like, if he gets to the Knicks, they're not going to be able to stop themselves. And then he got taken one pick ahead, and, and I, I really thought he was not going to be good at all. Um, I think the the big thing is he's just – he's more of a, a two-guard, I think, than a pure point guard. Um, so he's sort of like an undersized two rather than a, a somewhat normal-sized yeah, one. He's a combo. Exactly. So, you know, he could do a little – He kind of fits what, what Tibbs likes. Yeah. Oh, oh score for sure. First, penetrating point guard. Yeah, big big cojones type guard that just goes out there and just tries to score the ball a lot and plays with a chip on his shoulder more or less. Yeah, so. I like him. I think he would. I would you know, I could almost almost dream him quickly and RJ working out at one a.m. at the Terry Top facility or something, getting shots yeah. up. Uh, for sure. And I think Rose would probably be a good mentor for him too. Um, but with the with the with the current the present, I would love to see the Hawks in the first round. The idea of having John Collins or Danilo Gallinari guarding Randall for 48 minutes over a seven-game series is delightful to me. Yeah. I, I, I need to see Trey in the playoffs. I wouldn't bet that he would be a beast out of the gate in the playoffs, considering he's basically a shorter, way shorter wannabe Harden. Um. Yeah, I would, I, would, I would salivate at the thought of the Hawks. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, all right, Omar, we got a couple more speaker requests we want to get to for the end here. Um, do you want to let people know where to find you on social or anything? Maybe the next court that you and Gavin are going to meet at? To yeah, Gavin. <laughs> play pickup Omar, Omar dude, I'm, I'm, dude, I'm fully vaccinated. I'm down, I'm down whenever. All right, yeah, just meet me at Riverside Park. All right. All right, right now. All right, guys. All right, yeah, I'm nothing to plug. Thanks. All, right. All right, Omar. Thanks for thanks for coming up, man. Appreciate you. All right, and and guys, I gotta I gotta say goodbye as well. I have some, some poorly timed uh, dinner reservations, but this was great. I, honestly, I know I know I said a lot of the weeks, but one of my favorite ones we've done so far. Appreciate how many of you joined, and uh, but we're not we're not gonna wrap up the room, Alex. You're, you're gonna you're gonna stay, hang out, and, and finish up with everyone. Yeah, I will see us through. So let me, uh, Gavin. Peace out, man. Talk to you later who we got. So we got David Almanor up and then Marvin back in line. And I think I will call it after, after you two. Uh, so David, what's up, man? How you doing? Hey, what's going on, Alex? Uh, I was just about to hop on the train of uh, off season improvements since everyone was uh, mentioning uh, like good players we needed. But um, for the most part, I agree with most of what you guys were saying. I, I just don't see Dane leaving Portland or, uh, like, even the SGA situation, which I would love, it, it would be like a dream to unite the Canadian backcourt. Um, I don't think uh, OKC trades him unless maybe they get Cade, plus they want to, like, do something else. So maybe we would be able to give up two picks this year and maybe all our picks in 2023 for SGA, yeah. but... I just don't see that really, really happening. Brogdon, though, is a case that I'm kind of, I want people to pay attention to because Indiana's in between, they, they've got one foot in like, okay, we're, we're going to like re-up for next year and one foot in the rebuild mode. I'm imagining if Indiana like jumps up higher than they're supposed to and then they realize, okay, we can like, 
let's say Indiana like gets number one and they get Cade. Do you think they're going to keep Brogdon with Cade? What's your opinion? I almost wonder if that would be the one scenario that would have them keep Brogdon. You know what I mean? Because that would give them that sense of security, so to speak, to say like, okay, we have Brogdon, who's a borderline all-star. We have Sabonis, who's a two-time all-star on this team already. Now we're adding the number one pick, which we didn't think we were going to get. And this this allows us to just get a coach that we deem a uh, winning coach that can kind of guide these guys. Um, I think the scenario that would actually make them open to trading Brogdon would be if they, if they hang tight around, you know, pick 13 or whatever, and that's where they end up. And, you know, then, then they're looking at, okay, well now we want to jump into a rebuild because, um, you know, they're going to fire their coach. It sounds like, uh, they're going to probably try to clean house to some degree and just kind of start over because they tried to build something around this, this core, maybe a different coach could bring different results with roughly the same guys, but there's no way to know for sure. Um, I feel like that they would just kind of be ready to hit the reset button at that point, particularly because for whatever reason, I mean, there was rumors about Brogdon potentially being even available at this trade deadline. So clearly for one reason or another, they're not married to him, even though, I mean, I think he's a fantastic player and I, I think the Knicks would be in really good shape if they could get him. And that is a name that I kind of keep forgetting because he came up briefly before the trade deadline and everybody kind of like, flip their wigs over it and you're like oh man that would be awesome like they should go after him and then you know he didn't get traded so now it kind of fades back you know now indy's trying to make the play-in i guess or whatever or maybe they're not trying to make it maybe they'll kind of tank the play-in tournament to uh to end up with the better lottery odds or whatever uh which will be another interesting wrinkle to this year i think it will see from those nine and ten teams if they kind of look like they're dogging it in that first game or not, or if they're legitimately trying to make the playoffs. Um, But yeah, I think that that would lead them to a situation of saying, all right, let's, you know, let's reset. We'll trade Brogdon. Maybe they even trade Sabonis and they say, okay, we have Levert who everybody seems to always value as if he's like a 23 year old for some reason, even though he's actually like 26, 27. Now I think he's as old or maybe slightly older than Randall. Um, so, you know, it, whatever. But if he's like their guy that they want to build around and sort of rebuild with, then maybe they say, all right, we'll trade Brogdon, bring in a couple first-round picks for him. You could trade Sabonis and probably get a much better haul, particularly like I could see maybe a team like like Golden State or something like that giving up a, a pretty good haul for Sabonis to try to make another run with Steph, um, you know, or, or something like that. And, uh, you know, maybe maybe that's the route that they go. And if, if that's the case and they decide, you know, Brogdon's on the table, I think the Knicks would be very smart to go after him because I, I think he'd be a great fit for this team. And that's I can't believe I forgot him because I was totally in on him. Like, right around the trade deadline, I was like, go get Brogdon if he's available. Like, he put him out there with Quickly and, like, RJ, and you've got three guys that could handle the ball anytime potentially or could all spot up. You know, they all have ball handling skills to surround Randall with shooters as well. If Randall's going to be handling the ball, I mean, it would just be a beautiful, beautiful team with those three uh, out there, I think. So I would definitely be on board with Brogdon. Or even, you know, even if you have Bullock out there and you go a little little bigger, do Brogdon, Bullock, Barrett, you know, whatever. Just it would give you so many possibilities because he's such a versatile player. So I'm, I'm definitely on board with the Brogdon train. Yeah, I, I was thinking because, you know, a prototypical guard that Tibbs is looking for is someone that can drive 
and someone that can dish, and Brogdon fits that. Ball is kind yeah. of as much as a like I used to be on a ball train, but now that I realize it, Ball's kind of just a spot up guy, and I don't think Tibbs would like that that much. Like Ball's good defensively. I'm not sure that I'm not sure how he is off ball, but I've never seen him like really take it into the hole like that much or draw fouls like going inside. That's not him. So I'm wondering, like in the off season, if the Knicks will make a play for him at all, or maybe they'll try to like, like try to force a like I'm not gonna say force. They're gonna try to negotiate a trade with other teams to see if their point guards are available. Yeah, I'm kind of I'm with you with Lonzo. I know a lot of people are kind of head over heels with him, but I think he. Uh, the other thing is, I just I don't think that Lonzo's play style fits great with the Knicks because Lonzo is like he's a maestro in transition. He's really really good at that, and but his half court game is really lacking, and so for that reason, like I just don't think the Knicks would be a really good fit there because it, the Knicks. Almost, I don't want to say exclusively, but. They very often run a half court offense. I mean, that's that's like their thing. You know, that's why they're one of the lowest teams in pace in the league is because they don't run a ton. And maybe you say, "Oh, you bring in Lonzo, that'll change that," and that's all fine and good. But you know, I, I think there's something to be said for the style that they've played this year, where they kind of mix transition in there is almost like their changeup. You know, where teams will be expecting them to plod down the floor and do you know just a half court set, and then they can flip on that transition switch from time to time and. You know, it's right. it's their version of like a change up in baseball or like play action in football, where you know they're just like throwing the other team something that they they don't think they're going to see. So, um, yeah, I, I don't I don't know how I feel about Lonzo, particularly for the price point. If it came down to it, and I could pay Lonzo twenty five million dollars, or I could give up like the Dallas pick and like Knox or whatever for Brogdon, I, I would. Uh, even even if it was both Dallas picks, if it was this year's and the twenty three top ten protected for Brogdon, I would definitely do that, like in a heartbeat. And I'll probably even do, you know, a, a protected one of the Knicks picks or something potentially, just if they were like, or one of some of those treasure trove seconds that they've they've traded for. Definitely, um, we have too many seconds. Yeah, like, especially in twenty twenty three, we got to get rid of a lot of those. Yeah. They're all just trade sweeteners, you know. That's like if they're not traded by the time that. Uh, that draft rolls around, I would be very surprised because it's that they definitely are just picked up just for like 2023 might be the quote unquote double draft or whatever. And if the legislation with the league passes to make that happen, the Knicks are just going to try to capitalize on that and say, Hey, look, we got second round picks galore for the double draft. Come get them. You know, let's make a deal happen here. This is like basically a a late first round pick for you now because there's going to be, you know, this whole crop of high schoolers coming in plus all the freshmen and everything else. So um, yeah, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how they play all that out. But um, David, did you have anything that you wanted to kind of close this, uh, this convo on before we, we move uh, to our next speaker request here? Oh, no, no, no. You've been great. Thanks. Thanks Alex. Oh, Hey, Oh, what's your, what's your favorite Clydeism? I almost forgot to ask. Oh, I wrote in the chat, uh, stumbling and bubbling. I, I, oh, I yes. remember last year you used to say that a lot. And uh, the cross-court pass I mentioned, and uh, damn, nothing's coming to mind right now. But um, if I remember something, I'll write it in the chat. That's two. I mean, I, I uh my way through about three last night on the pod. So 
you know, you did better than I did right there. Stumbling and bumbling, though, I feel like that was a Julius Randle special last year uh, yes. with all the dribbling off his leg and all that. So, thankfully, we don't hear that too much anymore. Yeah, definitely. But, all right. Thanks so much, David. Thanks for popping up, as always. Appreciate uh, talking with you. Uh, no problem. Thanks. All right. All right. So, we move David down. Oh, he removed himself. All right. And we got Marvin one more time to finish this off here. Bring it up, Marvin. What's up, Marvin? Uh, nothing. Uh, thanks for bringing me back on, though. Yeah, for sure. What's going on? Uh, nothing. I was just hearing, um, I was thinking about the Michael Brogdon. I was hearing what David had said, and I was thinking about the Michael Brogdon and everything. I like that and everything. But I really feel like they're going to go all in on the Lonzo. And, Alex, I was hearing about what you were stating in the half court and how he struggles. However, if you look at the last five games, he's averaging like 23 points per game, and he's like lights out on threes. Lying over yeah. like 40. So, can you hear me? Yeah, yeah, I heard you. You cut out for like a split uh, second, but I, but I heard you. Okay, so yeah, basically it's just like they're going to go for him because he, he's long, he plays defense, and I feel – the reason why I feel like they're going to go for him, and even though he's not that great in half court, is because the change of pace is because of Derrick Rose. They don't want to start Derrick Rose because he's not that elite defender. You understand what I mean? But let's mm-hmm. say Derrick Rose was, uh, was as big or was considered an elite defender. Tim would literally start him. Yeah. He's not an elite defender. He's a change of pace. Guy. He's more of a change of pace guy. So that, that's Marvin, I'm kind of losing you a little bit. It sounds like your, the signal's uh, a little weak. You're kind of chopping in and out here. All right. I think... I think we're having some issues, Marvin. I'm gonna, uh, I'm gonna just kind of respond to what you're saying. I, I think, I think your Wi-Fi is kind of chopping out, but I hear you as far as, uh, as far as Rose maybe not being a a answer, uh, as far as the, I, I guess like starting point guard situation is concerned. I mean, I think he could be, he could be a starter this year, uh, you know, to finish the season. I hope that happens sooner than later, but obviously. It, the older he gets, you know, you're not going to want to have to entrust him with that burden. And I think he would work better as a 20 something per minute or 20 something minute per game guy um, coming off the the bench and kind of buoying that second unit. Um, but then as far as Lonzo, I mean, <laughs> unfortunately, it looks like Marvin got uh, dropped down um, maybe because of, of the connection issues. But um with Lonzo, I mean, a, a five, six, seven game sample is one thing. I would need to see consistently that he can hit pull up three pointers, uh, pull up mid range shots, stuff like that. That's just not something that he's had in his bag so far. Like if you look up his his statistics, like uh, from like NBA.com, for example, you can find these pretty easily. Um, his uh, they have uh, shots sorted by how you shot on catch and shoots versus how you shot on pull ups. Um, and Lonzo's pull-up numbers are really bad uh, for, you know, from three or from pretty much anywhere. 
uh, mid-range for three, especially because of his kind of awkward release. He, he has a pretty hard time in mid-range, although I did see like he hit a pretty big mid-range shot the other night off the dribble, which was great, but that's just not something they has in his bag so much. Um, and then uh, um, his, uh, his like three-point shooting off the dribble to just leaves some to be desired. He's more of a, a spot-up guy in the half-court offense, so you know, I think if you were going to sign him and give him a decent contract that you would have to uh, to sort of game plan to have someone else out there that can operate the half court. Maybe that's quickly like maybe that could work in theory where you have quickly Lonzo and RJ Barrett out there. Then you have three guys that can reasonably handle the ball. Maybe RJ and quickly handle it more in in uh, their, you know, uh, the, the half court situations. And Lonzo is just kind of their transition guy. But uh, I, I guess we'll see. But you know what? We got one last I, – I said that was going to be the last one. We got uh, Ari Ortiz wants to come up as well. So I'm going to get Ari up to be our, our final person here because I like Ari. So, Ari, what's up? How you doing? Ari did say he's at Drop. work. There we go. I'm good. Oh, there good, good. All right. You want to share <laughs> your favorite Clydeism, right? Yes. Uh, there's a couple that I haven't heard mentioned yet, and these are both uh, positive ones. One okay. is when uh, towards the end of the game when the crowd is going wild, he'll be say he'll say they're cheering for their heroes, Mike. Yes, uh, which I love. <laughs> and I think sometimes he says like like there's they're uh, saluting their heroes or something like that. Like like the he, he but yeah, it's always the heroes. It's like the heroes. I just love that. Yes. They're heroes. He, he's a treasure. And another one uh, when somebody starts getting hot, I think it's regardless of its. Uh, our player or their players, but he'll be like, "Ooh, he started to percolate," which always. Oh yeah, me percolate. Like, what does that percolate. even mean? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Oh, I love percolate. That's one of my favorites too. Of course, it's like in reference to like, uh, like the like a percolator coffee pot. Yeah, where, yeah, yeah. It's like something like, my grandma used to use. It's just like funny. It's like this guy, yeah. But yeah, uh, that, that's it, man. Like, yeah. Uh, keep it I didn't. Work, I, you know what? I brought this up on the on the episode last night, but I, I didn't bring it up today, but feline quickness canine attitude is always one of my favorites too. Yeah. I heard that. Yeah. Yeah. Feline Usually, quickness canine attitude. <laughs> yeah. He uses that for Rose a lot. I think, I think that's one that he, that he likes for Rose for whatever reason, but it's just good to hear him go off. All right. But yeah. All right, man, I'm going to head back to work. Thanks guys. You all right. Care. Thanks. Sorry. Thanks for popping in. All right. All right. All right, y'all. Uh, I think that – oh, moving and grooving, David says, too. Yeah, maybe we'll do a whole locker room just of Clydeisms one week. That would be fun. Although we kind of did that this week, and it worked pretty good. So maybe that will be like our new thing every week. We'll try to think of new ones we haven't brought up before. But uh, at any rate, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get going. We've been going for like an hour and 15 minutes, so we already have a, uh, a two-part episode that's long enough that my bosses are going to say, hey, you guys are really pushing the limits of our, uh, of our podcast length that we want. So – uh, but thank you all so much for, for popping in and uh, talking with us, with Gavin and I. I think this was a, a really fantastic episode. We're uh, always so thankful to you guys for coming on and talking with us because it honestly, just us talking to each other, we only have so much to say. So it's nice to hear from you guys and see what you're thinking and uh, talk some stuff out with you. So thanks, everybody, for popping in. And uh, we should be, I think, back same time, same place next week, 5.30, if I'm not mistaken, uh, on Thursday. So got to check the Knicks schedule as long as they're not playing. Actually, they might be playing on Thursday. So I I guess it all depends. But we'll figure it out 
as it's Thursday or Friday next week, we'll be back on locker room to talk with you guys again. Uh, but until next week, uh, love you guys all. Thanks for popping in and thanks for supporting us. And uh, we'll talk to you in a week. Peace out guys.